My wife loves Simon and Garfunkel, and we used to go over to her apartment because she's a couple years older than me and I was still in college, and we would listen to that song. And I think that particular song is more true today than it was 20 years ago. We are so uncomfortable with silence. We pack our schedules, we pack our time with games and Netflix and busyness and running around. We just don't make time to be silent, to be thoughtful. More than that, to really figure out what's going on inside of ourselves. Why did I react when my wife said that the other day? Why was I so frustrated when my son or daughter did what they did last week? Well, what is it? The fear that's driving this decision that made me so anxious. Last week we mentioned that one of the things that causes challenge in relationships is when we have our hippocampus kick in. Our hippocampus is, is that reactive part within our soul, within our heart, within our mind that reacts to people pushing our buttons, that reacts to circumstances. It's almost like before the rational part of our brain begins to, to so engage, the emotional part gets in. And I mentioned that when you get hysterical, it might be historical. There might be something historically going on that is driving that, and yet we don't take the time to sort of self-diagnose, to look into our own hearts and soul and say, what's going on? I may need to listen to my own heart. So today we are going to be uh, looking at a book. It's a book called Boundaries for Our Soul that I started reading about four or five months ago. It's been so helpful. I want to share some of the specific things I found incredible freedom in my own life from, some ways that God has really begun to, to help me in my journey and I hope can help you in yours. So I invited the author of that book to join us today for an interview uh, for the service to begin to figure out what's going on inside your mind and your heart. And especially as we finish up our Really Wed series today, what are the things that allow our in-laws, our family members, our brothers? We can't control people and circumstances as much as we wish we can. But we can control how we react to people and circumstances. And that means understanding what's going on inside of us when our daughter-in-law calls, when our father calls, when a child says what they do. Understanding your inner world is the secret to finding contentment and getting control of how you react to the things around you. And I don't think there's any movie in the last 20 years that has done a better job of helping us understand how relationships and our inner world are connected better than the movie Inside Out. Let's watch. <laughs> All right, can we give a warm horizon welcome to Kimberly Miller. Kimberly, come on down. Yeah, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Chad. <laughs> well, you know, for a lot of us, um, we've been the people in those in those uh, scenarios. We've, we've, when we were kids, we were one of them. We've been the dad who overreacted. We've been the person who wasn't listening. We've overcompensated for our kids. And so I'm really excited about hearing your journey of helping us figure out, you know, those voices in our own head and how we can get to grips with that. So... Thank you so much. Today. It's a pleasure yeah. to be here with you all this morning. Thank you. Yeah, in fact, uh, I'll share a little bit later on as we get some specific examples, but I had some of the most profound um, uh, freedom that I found in the last couple months as I've been going through this exercise over and over again in my own life. And we'll talk a little bit about the different parts of your soul, you know, the firefighters and the project managers um, and the exiles and what that looks like to really get in touch with your self, uh, spirit-led self where joy and peace and self-control and peace comes from. So, uh, again, thanks for being here. Why don't we start by telling a little bit about your journey 
how you ultimately became a, a believer in God in your faith and a believer ultimately in Jesus. So what was your experience like growing up and what brought you to this point? Sure. Well, I'm from Los Angeles. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist there in private practice. And I live in Claremont, actually east of L.A. My husband is a government professor at Claremont McKenna College. And we don't have any children, but we've applied for adoption and are looking forward to that journey. Backing up a little bit, my maternal grandfather, so my mother's father, was from a small farm in Oklahoma. And his father was a man who had a hot temper, and he beat my grandfather. And so my grandfather left home around second grade and never continued his education beyond that. But he ended up discovering and developing the East Texas oil fields just in time to help fuel the Allied forces in World War II. His name was H.L. Hunt. And our family-owned company still is in Dallas, Texas today, headquartered there. And so I was born in Dallas, and my mother met my father at Southern Methodist University. And they got married when she was only 19 years old. Wow. And so it's not surprising that she didn't have a lot of skills at managing her emotions. And my dad was only 20, so he didn't either. And uh, she wanted him to become a lawyer and to, to practice law somewhere far away from Dallas. She wanted to leave their hometown. But he wanted to work at the family company because my grandfather had invited him to do that. So they started having conflict in their marriage. And without the skills to lean into those difficult conversations and understand how to regulate their emotions, they ended up getting divorced. So there's a picture here of my mother and my father and my older sister, Catherine, and I'm the little baby. And we had been living in a little yellow house with white scalloped trim in Highland Park, where Clayton Kershaw is from, actually. And uh, it looks like a pretty good thing, right? Yeah, it looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. pretty good. But because of the divorce, my father moved away to Europe, and I hardly ever saw him after that. And I was just one year old. So this was a great loss for me, as you can imagine. My mother did end up realizing her dream of leaving Dallas. She moved to New York City, and she married a caring psychotherapist named Harville Hendricks. Um, this is us before their marriage. So this is my Christmas card photo there with my sister and my mother, and obviously my father is not in the picture there. She married Harville Hendricks, who ended up writing a bestseller called Getting the Love You Want, which is a guide for couples. And he was on the Oprah show 19 times and won Oprah her first Emmy Award for that show, his first show. And uh, he's a humanist, and my mom had left her faith, so I was not raised in a Christian home. But my grandmother had been sending me to her uh, church in Dallas when I would go home to visit her. And I went to a youth camp there that had a big impact on me. And now I had been going to a Catholic school called Sacred Heart in New York. But I was at this youth camp that my grandmother sent me to, and there was a great sermon about what happens when we die and, the, uh, you know, facing the God uh, at the judgment day. And I, I went back to my uh, cabin, and my face was in my pillow and my bunk bed, and I had this image of the this Catholic image of Jesus with the red heart, uh, and I had what's called in the Catholic tradition, a sacred heart conversion at the Southern Baptist Youth Camp <laughs> where I, I saw this red heart of Jesus beating for me and I said, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. I want to make you my Lord, my Savior. And ever since then, since I was about 13 years old, I've been walking closely with the Lord. But 
um, you know, the, the pain did not go away of my parents' divorce. I still felt that, that real shame that comes from fatherlessness and that, that grief and the sadness. And I was wondering what was going on that was so important so far away that was more important than me, you know. And uh, I thought I had done something wrong to make him leave. I ended up going to Redeemer Presbyterian Church. I was the only teenager in the founding congregation of Redeemer in New York City, 1989. We got started, and uh, Tim and Kathy Keller became a second family for me and mentored me. And so I knew in my head, as well as a person could know, that I have a Father in Heaven who loves me. But for some reason, you know, I could not get that truth down into my heart. They say that the longest distance in the world is between your head and your heart. Mm, and that's right? true. Isn't that so, true? Yeah. So I was... Uh, trying to figure out how do I really internalize this idea that God loves me and walk and live every day knowing that in my heart and soul. And so I went to counseling and I searched high and low for some way to get rid of this pain, basically. I was just trying to not feel so much pain all the time. And I ended up finding this method that's an evidence-based therapy method called Internal Family Systems Therapy. It was developed by a man named Richard Schwartz in the 90s who's not a believer in Christ, um, and I've developed this Christian approach to it and also tried to make it more popular by using this boundaries language of having boundaries with the different parts mm-hmm. of your soul, and uh, that's the book I'm here to share about. Yeah, and I mentioned earlier when we, we uh, played that Simon Garfunkel song that uh, the idea of embracing silence and knowing your own soul, um, why do you think this book is so important right now, and, and why did you write it? And maybe we'll start with the problem, and then we'll move to some real, spend most of our time today on the solution. So why did you write this book um, for yourself and for others? Well, we're all in the same boat. We all have difficult feelings, and I have my story that I just shared. Chad, you have yours. We all have our own uh, relationship struggles and feelings that we carry around with us all day long, regrets from the past, losses, grief, as well as the, the hope and the joys of life. So how do we deal with these feelings on a day-to-day basis? One way that's really helpful is to understand our souls having parts to it. It's just a theory, um, and you don't have to believe it, but it's a a nice one that's worked for me. Dallas Willard said, understanding is the basis of care in renovation of the heart. So to, to work with your soul, you really need to understand what it is. And church tradition... Uh, has considered these different parts of the soul. For example, Teresa of Avila spoke of the rooms of the interior castle of the soul. St. Ignatius of Loyola talked about the interior movements of the Mm -hmm. soul. And in fact, every major school of psychology has acknowledged the mosaic nature of the human soul, starting with Freud, who talked about the id, ego, and Mm -hmm. superego. Transactional analysis talks about the parent-child. This is a, a development that works well for me, Uh, There's three parts to it, which is kind of easy to remember, and it's sort of Trinitarian. And then there's the spirit-led self in the middle. So the problem is that we have these parts that can be divided uh, within ourselves, and there's lots of scriptural backing for this too. Yeah, one of the things I thought fascinating, so as I was sort of getting myself, this idea that we have an inner firefighter and project manager that's there to protect us. Right. And so a lot of the ways we react is it's some part of our soul who's actually trying to help us from being overly stressed right. or from losing control or things like that. And that was such a helpful framework for me. And the inner exile, I just felt I'm very confident. I don't have a real inner exile. That I, I've seen people with inner exiles, but not me. And as I began to sort of dig into all three of those areas, fascinating what I discovered. And the most freeing thing I had happen actually was related to the exile. I'm going to get emotional talking about it now. Um, so, again, very confident. Um, but I remember this encounter when I was 10 years old. And so I was going through that exercise, just focusing, sort of uh, feeling like my daughter got married yesterday, which is an incredible day, and really wanting to break some patterns that had happened, you know, in our life uh, or in my life that 
weren't like up in fr front. They were sort of way back in the, but I wanted to make sure it didn't get passed on to her. And so I remember having this conversation with this 10-year-old version of myself as I was going through it. And I was actually walking around the lake out here, and I was sort of focusing on that, and then really seeing this, you know, version of myself. And I thought, this little 10-year-old is still trying to protect me. And he was working really hard. Oh, my goodness, he is, he's trying to uh, perform his way out of this. He's trying to run his way out of this. Uh, I do things very fast. Uh, so the image of um, the roadrunner came, that, you know, roadrunner is deep inside me trying to outrun problems. Huh. And I realized I... I um, I don't mind fighting, but I'd rather outrun it if I can and outplan it. And I realize there's this, this little kid inside me who um, I love. And, and your whole idea of befriending that child was such a neat moment of, of seeing this young version of myself and just you know, telling him, you know, Chad, I love you. I appreciate how much you care about people. I appreciate how much you uh, want everybody to be happy. Um, but I also want you to know that it's not your job to make everybody happy. But I love that about you. That's so much of the strength of what I have come from this young man. Um, but then also realizing that uh, he had moved from a part of my life that shaped me to a part of my life that was advising me and controlling me. And it was such a wonderful thing to say, hey, I want you to be part of my life. I want you to know I appreciate you. But let's switch roles. Yeah. And I love that question you had in the book. You said, ask that part of your soul how old it thinks you are. That was a fascinating question. And uh, I felt like that part of my soul still thought I was 10. Like, no, you know, I'm 46 now. And I love the fact that you want to guard me and guard others. But I, I want to uh, take the burden off of you. Um, and it is, it's been a profound last month of just feeling like uh, something that wasn't front and center. But taking the time to embrace that silence and to walk through that process, I realized that there's so much freedom now with that, that, that spirit, the Holy Spirit, you know, not, not like conjured up control I found, not conjured up peace that I sort of, you know, willed into existence. I, I was doing enough of that. Um, but a uh, peace outside of myself came to bear to this spot in my life where I can now befriend that part of my life, but also find the freedom in there. So that's a few of the stories. That was a real profound one I had about a month ago. So Thanks for sharing that. That's really beautiful. Yeah, you... You, you see how these parts of us can be really hardworking, and perhaps that sweet little 10-year-old runner, roadrunner boy part of you manifests as, you know, somewhat uh, anxious or, or hardworking, and people might say, oh, he's, he's working hard today, you know, and, and maybe not, not be so uh, fond of that part. But you see the good intention behind it. With it, yeah. Yeah, and so what's really helpful to realize is that all, even the angry parts of us, the parts of us that we don't like, that other people don't like, they really do have good intentions. All parts mm -hmm. of us have good intentions. They just sometimes, like children, need to be redirected into more helpful mm -hmm. strategies. Mm -hmm. And but they're not going to just change their strategies unless there's a connection first. Just like with a child, right? With your, when you're trying to redirect a child, you need to have that that connection first. They have to trust you. And mm -hmm. what's really helpful to realize is that there is this self or if you've received christ into your heart a spirit-led self inside that these mm -hmm. parts of you can trust but they need you to show up yeah. just like you did they need mm -hmm. you to take a walk around the lake with them and say you know i'm here yeah i'm here and i probably over you know, the years I, I sort of referenced this you know woundedness from this specific memory i had over the years but i just never really took the time to dig into it ah, you know it's 10 for crying out loud you know, it's, you know what do i need to do with that so um as we summarize the part of the, of the book, uh, 
one of the things that's helpful to me too is, and I'm still digging into this one, which is a, I'm a project manager, so I love planning in advance, and that's one of the greatest strengths I have at the office. It's one of the greatest strengths I have in my career, and certainly um, has brought a lot of success. But I also found that that's a part of my soul, that project manager, that um, though it works well at work, it doesn't work well in my marriage. <laughs> because I'm, I, I get so much energy from what's next. And so where that for me is very energizing, that project manager is kind of like, you know, what's next where you're not on track when I keep moving? That's a huge strength in me. And what that gets interpreted to my wife often as I'm never good enough. Oh. And, uh, you know, which, of course, never would I want to communicate. But I realized, oh, that as I was trying to figure out, like, what is the pattern that's causing this? I went, I got an inner project manager who's trying to keep me on track to where I want to go. Right. That's actually unintentionally creating... Um, pressure or you know miscommunication i realized that a lot of the ways i reacted was this inner project manager who does good things for me in one area not doing well in the other right and as that part of you develops more trust in your spirit-led self it can begin to listen to you when you ask it to step back a little bit when you mm -hmm. walk home you know walk in the door at home and yeah. what you're doing is you're creating attachment you know, John Bowlby created this idea of attachment theory mm -hmm. uh, with children, and now Sue Johnson has developed attachment theory with couples in her book, Hold Me Tight, which I highly recommend. And this is talking about attachment with the parts of yourself yeah. that need to be present with them. So as you attach better with them, then they'll trust you, and then you can say, you know, let's, let's calm down a little bit. Yeah. Would you back up just a little bit? And parts will back up when you ask them to, and that's where the boundaries comes in because... As you know, boundaries has to do with being at a comfortable distance, not too close, not too far. Mm -hmm. But that part of you is a little bit too close when you go home. And you need to say, would, yep. you, would you just step back a little, uh, just a little bit and let me take over now? Yeah. In fact, there's some uh, verses from the Bible. So this was a, what, what seems new and fresh and, and almost uh, like who does this anymore was a very common practice in the Hebrew culture. And so as you read through the Psalms, which is like these ancient scrolls we found that are actually ancient diaries. And so we get to see the diaries of people who were really engaging with their own soul, talking to their own soul. And their prayers, but it's interesting, sometimes they're talking to God and other times they're talking to themselves. Here's a couple of those. And notice the use of the word soul. Here's some Psalms. <clears throat> My soul is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long until you help? So here he recognizes himself as there's a part of me right now that I'm talking to or that I'm aware of that is troubling me. Another part, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? So here's some sadness in his own soul. How long will my enemy be exalted over me? And I love this idea that there are voices that speak to us from our soul. Right, you know, our soul right. is uh, giving us counsel. Sometimes right. it's good counsel, you know, put the foot down. Other right. times it's the counsel of you should be scared here. You need to protect yourself here. Uh, you're not comfortable with sadness. Right. Realize, man, there's a lot of ways in which I need to know the, the voices that are coming from my right. own soul. We, we all have internal dialogue. This is a matter of becoming more intentional about it. I'll give you two more that were helpful for me um, from the Bible. Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? And as a pleaser, as a person who loves joy, I mean, even watching that movie, I remember thinking, you made sadness the hero? <laughs> sadness is the enemy you know i went you know what that is so wow. true that i'm not as comfortable with grief and sadness wow. and that was really a, a it's the genius of the movie really yeah. yeah and again here you see the psalmist twice in this passage um talking to his soul he's not talking to god at this point he's saying what soul i'm talking to you soul why are you down yeah. what's what's caused this what, what messages are you giving me so right those are those are wonderful verses and it's actually all th all throughout the bible uh paul in romans says for what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. 
So he's acknowledging there's a part of me that's doing something that I wish I wouldn't do. James, likewise, says that people who doubt are double-minded. He's saying, well, we have different minds. You know, we're of different minds. Uh, again, in the Psalms, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. So you hear this idea of divisions within the heart that need to be united. And King David is a great example. You know, he was a, God, a man after God's own heart. Of course, we know the story about how he did something he later regretted with Bathsheba. And then he said, Lord, give me an undivided heart to fear your name. And by the end of the Psalms, in Psalm 131, verse 2, he says, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a child within me. How beautiful is that? So he's, he's learned over time. He's matured and grown and learned how to comfort his own soul. Hmm. Well, let's get to the practical side of this and sort of like, um, how do you do this? Because one thing I also is interesting is that these firefighters and project managers are protectors. They're again trying to protect you. And so how do we real practically, you sort of develop a five-step process for how do we begin to engage with our soul? So what are those steps? Maybe lead us uh, or lightly through that and then uh, we'll sort of demonstrate together and give you guys all a chance to do it later in the service too. Sure. Well, there are five steps to this process. And feel free to engage in this now personally as I go through them. The first one is to focus on a part of yourself that's presenting itself for your care and attention. So right now, as you're sitting there, you could be thinking, where am I feeling any tightness or tension? Because parts of us manifest physically. God made us that way. Sometimes they show up for us as a tightness in the neck or a knot in the stomach or a rapid heartbeat. So where are you feeling any of those feelings or any others right now? And consider that that feeling may be belonging to a part of yourself. That's the step of focus. The next step is to befriend this part of you. And a good way to do this is to ask yourself, how am I feeling toward this part of myself? Mm -hmm. So right now you've, you've identified the original feeling now ask yourself, how am I feeling toward it? And my guess is that the answer was not that you are really happy that it's there and you're, you're grateful for it. Usually we have an inner critic that doesn't like this part of us. So it's good then to ask that part to step aside, maybe behind a glass wall so it can watch, and then to reconnect with the original feeling from a place of curiosity and compassion where the spirit dwells within. And then the next step is to invite Christ or God, if you like, to be present with this part of you that you've identified. And you can do this through your God-given imagination, literally inviting Jesus to be present with the part that you've identified. And you can borrow from the Inside Out movie, if that would be helpful. Like, for example, if it's an angry part, imagine if Jesus were there with that angry part or with the sadness or fear. And then we're really creating a connection between not only that part and yourself, which you've already started doing, but you're creating a connection between this part of you and the Holy Spirit. And so then we have this wonderful time of interaction to see what does the part want to give over to Jesus, which is the step of unburden, and perhaps it's the burden of fear or of a memory that it doesn't want to carry any longer. It can come in the form of a belief like... Uh, I'm not worthy of love. 
And it can be helpful, again, to use the imagination to give over that sort of a burden in the form of uh, a, a bottle or a box or a rock or a knapsack or something like that. Give it over to Jesus or release mm-hmm. it into any of the, the elements like the air or the fire or water or the earth. It doesn't matter, but what matters is that, that it's gone. And then the last step is to integrate that part into your life, which means to ask, what new role would this part of me like to play? And it might just be a more relaxed version of the role that it was playing originally, yep. or it mm-hmm. might be something completely different, like to move from being a task manager to just playing and, and resting mm-hmm. in God's presence. Yeah. yeah. I remember example, one of the examples I found in the uh, firefighters, as I've alluded to in the last couple months here, the last nine months have been just very, very challenging. Circumstances totally out of control, so coming at us you know, almost daily. Um, and so I journaled and actually drew a picture of this because I, I do a lot. I, I did, went through the exercise and pictured it, but then I actually found drawing it down. I remember drawing this firefighter who just was passed out on the floor, tongue rolled out with a giant boulder and a, a oxygen tank that was you know, on empty and this boulder on top of him, which is just all the complexities of, of uh, medical issues my wife has been facing and you know complications of autism for my son. Um, and I'm like... Just seeing that picture of this totally exhausted firefighter who's been trying to outrun. If I could just last a little bit longer, then maybe I can outrun this thing. It's like, you're not going to be able to outrun this thing. And just seeing that picture of this exhausted part of me who keeps exhausting me because he's hoping, you know, before I faint and die, you know, maybe we can outrun this thing. <laughs> and seeing that picture of that, you know, boulder, you know, oxygen tank, very heavy oxygen tank in the back of this firefighter. Um, and to realize, uh, boy, that, that, that part of me needs... Um, who's, who's given, 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 uh, needs to be replenished, yeah. needs to be filled up. Um, need, I need to thank that part of me for working so hard. Yes. My goodness, this part squirting squir- there and chopping yes. down, you know, things right. going on. Yeah. So that was, how about for you, for your life? What are some of the, the ways in which uh, looking at your own soul, going through that process has helped you or maybe some of your clients as well? Right. Well, it's not surprising that I also have robust manager parts. The church is largely manager driven. And so I've been involved in the church my whole life and, and uh, have a robust project manager myself. And I have the same issue that at home, I tend to be a task manager and I need to learn to re- relax when I'm at home. Um, I call it my reformer part. Uh, I like to reform everything. In fact, it takes me, uh, it's a challenge for me to even breathe for three seconds without trying to improve something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's, I call it my manager part. And that really helps me to realize that that aspect of me is not all of who I am. That does not define me. That is one part of me that is probably trying to uh, win my father's approval still. And so I need to continually re- remind that part of me that I'm already loved by my heavenly father and that it can relax. And so one of the ways that I help that part of me relax is to do gardening. We, I have a garden and I like to go outside and I'll just spend time with this part of me and say, you know, it's okay not to try to make something better right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say with my fire, so everybody has all three. So if you're not really in touch with uh, one of them, think oh, I don't have any firefighters. I'm guessing they're there. And, and these behaviors don't necessarily look like things that are terrible, like doing drugs or, 
or um, you know addictions. They could be, but they also could just be good things that you just do a little bit too much, like over sh- over cleaning or mm-hmm. over shopping or surfing the web a little bit too much, posting on social media a little bit or maybe a lot too much. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my exile, of course, is uh, that abandoned baby part. That's a, a phrase that I learned from the adoption community. A lot of adoptees have this part of themselves that feels ab- abandoned, and I find that concept very helpful because it also helps the adoptee realize that's their... Um, the fact of their relinquishment by their birth parents is not all of who they are. It doesn't define them. They're a beloved child of God, but they have, might have a part of themselves that feels like they they were abandoned, and mm-hmm. I have that same part of me because of my, fa- my, my father's absence. I think that was interesting when you talked about you know inviting God to be part of that part of your soul, that there may be verses, truths you know in your head, but they ha- there's a part of your soul that doesn't know that. That was Absolutely. fascinating to me. That's really interesting. And, and one of my project managers that I pitched, I went, you know, it's General Maximus from the Gladiator. <laughs> and there's this great scene in Gladiator, if you, if you don't remember the scene, where he is about, he, he and the, the slaves are all sort of gathered around and the, the horses come out. And it's suddenly General Maximus against, you know, all these horses and they're going to die. And he's sort of like, you know, up, you know, left front here, right front here. If we stay together, we'll win, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> And I thought, and that image has come up several times over the last probably 10 years um, when I'm under stress. And I went, man, there's a General Maximus in me. Yeah. And again, it's not a bad thing. It's actually one of the strengths. He's guarding. He's protecting. Yes. He's, he's right. managing. He's keeping stuff from getting out of control. Yeah. What I also realized is General Maximus, part of my soul, the project manager, that yeah. version of it, yeah. he doesn't know that God's in control. Right. Isn't that interesting? I can tell you a thousand verses about why God's in control. Yeah, yeah, you know but that. But under yeah. stress, that, that hippocampus kicks it. in, right. and General Maximus in me, who I love and is one of the greatest strengths I have, and I appreciate how he defends my family and defends myself, and so to sit down with sort of General Maximus version of my soul and say, hey, soul, do you know that it's not all up to you? Yeah. And that became a really a phrase that I heard, General Maximus, it's up to us. You know, no one else is going to help us get out of this arena. Nobody else is going to stop those chariots from coming. No one else is going to figure out, you know, the complexities of you know, autism 20 years from now. But the free- freedom of saying, hey, the, the work Maximus does, the strength he brings the strategizing he does i don't, I don't want to lose any of that right right but i want to incorporate with that this yes. idea that yeah. it's not all up to you exactly there's somebody who's uh, more um committed to the to the problem and the solution than you are and the idea that you can solve past present future at the same time is is a foolhardy you know it's actually placing yourself in the in the place of god no wonder you're wearing yourself out you're trying to do something only god can do um what if i could use those strengths but say hey, instead of thinking you're the only one in charge what if what if there's somebody you could trust who is in charge and yes. you could compliment that yeah so i'm still exploring more of that but that, that's uh, a fascinating yeah. piece of and I, I love the idea of that part of you just being able to relax with jesus and mm-hmm. it, that part of you becoming even happier and because yeah. it, it works so hard but there's a little bit of distress or discomfort mm-hmm. that it has right yeah and you want you want that part of you to be able to know that god's going to be with it mm-hmm. and it can still do its job just in a way yeah. that where it has god's help exactly you know? yeah 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 well, any other examples i want to uh, uh jump into the idea of seeing it as images in a second but any other Examples you want to give from clients that you've seen this been helpful for? Well, sure. I tell a story in my book about a guy named Gabe. This is my anger chapter. And Gabe came to me because his wife had given him an ultimatum. He loved his family, but his wife had said, you know, if you don't deal with your your temper, you know, you're going to have to leave. So he just said, I have a a temper, and I I really don't want to to have Mm -hmm. this anger problem, but please, can you help me? I don't know how how to not have it. And 
And uh, so I asked him to see if he could imagine this part of him, and he immediately had this image of this fist, hmm. you know, and just wanted to punch someone. And, uh, and so we asked him to pay attention to it, to spend time with it, and uh, asked Jesus to come and be with this angry fist that he could imagine. And what happened was that the fist sort of opened up, and it was able to just release its anger and to receive God's love. And that reminded me of this wonderful book, The Way of the Open Hand, you know, um, that Henry Nouwen talked a lot about and, mm-hmm. and John Vanier as well. Uh, so that's an example of a client mm-hmm. who just, I just saw this transformation in his life and then he was able to reconnect with his wife and his little daughter, which made me really happy. And, and that focus stage was interesting to me because you said uh, a lot of times if our emotions are too close, we don't recognize them as not us. You know, you know this is who I am. That's what you say. Right, right. But, to, but to put that emotion just at arm's distance. Just arm's length. Enough to go, it is yeah. part of me, right. but it's not all of me. Right, and that's getting perspective. You know, yeah. the ways that you know you're in the spirit-led self or that you have uh, perspective or you have, you're playful or you're peaceful. And there's also some C words if you want to say, which part am I blended with right now or am I living from the spirit-led self? The C words that identify the spirit-led self uh, our com- compassion and curiosity and being calm and creative and connected and do you, and curious and confident. Mm. Do you know why all these words begin with C? Say again? No, do you, I don't. I don't either. I have no idea. <laughs> okay, no, <I> don't. <laughs> it, it's a mystery to me, and maybe God will tell us one yeah. day. But. And, but the idea that uh, if your emotions are too close to you, then you're just, well, I'm an angry person, or I'm just uh, a dangerous person, or I'm just an unloved person. Versus, you no, know, there's a part of me who feels unloved. Right. There's a part of me who gets angry and is trying to protect me from feelings. Or the idea that some of us are so far from our emotions, we haven't seen an emotion in years. Denied or disowned. Yeah, deny, avoid. Right. You know, we got used to lowering our expectations because like, nobody helped us process our emotions. So, right. The dreamers in us, the dreamer parts are just stuffed away, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this actually, this concept is very helpful in marriage and also in relationships at work, the idea of talking about a part of yourself. And so if you're feeling triggered, one thing you can do is you say, I need to take a U-turn right now, or you could even just think that to yourself, I'm going to take a U-turn and then notice what part of you is being reactive. And then you can speak on behalf of that part, not from it to, to your loved one or your coworker or your child and say, you know, there's a part of me that's angry and I'm wanting to get to know that part of me better. Mm-hmm. It's not all of who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm committed to you. I want to be in this relationship, but I'm hurting right now. And this part of me is presenting itself and I need to get to know it. And also I'm curious about the part of you that's working really hard right now. Can, can mm-hmm. you let me know what it needs from me? Mm-hmm. And that kind of conversation yeah. is extremely helpful for marriages. Yeah, and so t- tell us before we do this last exercise, um, why is it important to see these things as, as cartoons? And you said there's, the guy who started this thing doesn't do that. He's not really a, a visual learner. He saw them as words. But So bring those pictures back up from why is it helpful? Like for me, those are very helpful. General Maximus. I mean, I now got a part of my soul I see as General Maximus. I got a part of my soul I now see as the Roadrunner. I got a part of my soul I now see as this you know, kid with this 51 on his shirt because that's the shirt I wore like when I was 10 for a whole year. Um, so I've got these parts that I can sort of see who's, who's right. working now. Right. Why is that helpful and, and, and why do you encourage that as part of the process, seeing emotions as something visual? Because it just helps with connecting with them. I think journaling is really helpful in this whole uh, process of growth. And if you if you write out on paper the different parts, it's easy to give them names. You know, uh, God gave us this ability to imagine and, and to name things. Like in Genesis, Adam named all the animals. And so you could even, you could name the parts. Like I have my reformer part, my abandoned baby part, and my spirit-led self. And I, I map them out. So the way that I journal is I act, when I sit down to pray, I actually just start... Um, mapping out the different parts that I'm aware of in in my soul 
and I can give them names and even use pictures. And this is very helpful with children as well. Mm -hmm. Kids kids relate to this exercise extremely well. And then you can say, this is where the cognitive behavioral therapy comes in when you say, okay, part of me that's wanting to reform everything, a gladiator part or roadrunner part, what what do you want to say to God and what would he say back to you right now? So it's, it's just a, it's a way to connect with parts. You don't have to do it. And like, I, like you said, Dick Schwartz, the founder of IFS, uh, he, he doesn't see parts. Not everybody has the ability to, to imagine them in images like, like you do so well. Some people just hear, hear um, like voices like they're stuck on repeat in their minds. Um, and mm-hmm. that might be the way that you connect with your parts as well. Yeah. Well, we've got about uh, a few minutes left. Let's try, I don't know if we'll do it through all five steps, but um, let's walk me through going that process, and we'll give everybody a chance to do that in a little two-minute piece um, that we'll let you walk through, and then uh, we'll go from there. So why don't you okay. walk me through those steps? Okay. All right, so Chad, if you'll just take a moment to move from our conversation to what's mm-hmm. going on inside of you. And if okay. you could, you could close your eyes, or you could just focus on something in the room. And just do a scan from your head down to your toes, paying attention to what it is that you're aware that you're feeling. It might be a feeling of tightness or tension. And when you notice what's most present for you, you could just let me know what that is. Um, I think it's uh, uh, joy and challenge, sort of mixed up. Perseverance and joy is probably what I see most. Okay. And so this is a physical, do you feel this physically anywhere? Um, yeah, I actually feel like, uh, especially since the last couple months, I felt like this boulder's been on here. I, I feel like it's almost like the um, the opposite of what I felt before, which is I almost feel like there's more um, freedom in my shoulders than I've felt in a while. Okay, so there's something going on like in your shoulders, like mm-hmm. there was a boulder there that's been been lifted, and you're feeling some freedom. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And so now. Are you able to identify this part of you that's feeling this way as any particular part of yourself? It could be an image, or it could just be a, a, a message or a belief that you have in your mind. Um, yeah, well, in contrast to me, some of the negative things I talked about before, um, I, I picture a, a mountain climber at the summit. He's, uh, he's sort of worn out, um, but he's joyous. He's sort of at the peak, and he's sort of got his hands up in the air and uh, sort of made it to the peak, and he's got something on his, his left foot, a little gremlin or something, but uh, he's sort of, you know, uh, in the moment enjoying the um, sort of the summit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, very joyful and, and very upbeat. Okay, and would you say this part of you is sort of uh, blended with you, or is it outside here in front of you? Um, I'd say it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty... It's it's close enough that I can uh, enjoy it, uh, but not enough that it's all of me, I think. Okay, so it's a comfortable distance from you. Great. And so now we've just done the focus. And then the question is, how are you feeling toward this part of you that's at the summit? It's got something kind of on its feet that it's kicking away. Well, I think I feel uh, good about the joy, and it feels like uh, you know my wife, my daughter got married yesterday, and just being at the summit of that and feeling like, um, you know, Raising my daughter for 21 years, feeling very proud of that, feeling proud of her. You get to see her give her vows yesterday to um, her, her husband and to see him, you know, truly in love, sharing those vows with uh, her just made me proud. Um, I think the, so I feel very joyful toward that part of me. Maybe a little bit of frustration that I can't kick this gremlin off, which is uh, thinking like, you know, if, if, 
there have been so many challenges the last 10 years with autism and with, with uh, depression and other things. Well, I wish I could have even done a better job. So I feel like I did a great job as a, as a dad, but I also feel like this gremlin is sort of the grit of, you know, what if I hadn't had all this stuff to manage? Could I have done better, I think? Okay, so you're feeling a little bit frustrated, joyful and mm-hmm. also a little bit frustrated. So yeah. that, that frustrated part, could you ask it just to step aside and just observe what we're going to do here for a moment? Would that be all right? Sure. So that we can get to know it better. We really appreciate the frustration, but mm-hmm. we just wanted to, to watch for a moment. Yeah. Okay? Okay, so now returning back to this part that's got something sort of on its foot that it's wanting to kick away, um, does it know that you're there with it? Mm. This part of you? Yes. It does? Okay, how old does it think you are? Yeah, I think it recognizes the age I am. Part of, part of the, the summit is recognizing that uh, we've been on a journey together. Okay, so, yeah, okay. so I think it does. It's in touch with you. Okay, and then how, uh, what would it like to say to you if it could just kind of summarize what it's feeling? You already sort of said it, but just to recap. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, two words, well done. Oh, yeah, saying well done. Oh. Yeah, well done. Wow. <laughs> yeah, well done. That's great, great. Yeah, I think that's, you know, just a joy, not just within myself, but a joy of uh, sort of God being with us on the journey. So I think it was, it's a mountain, you know, God's been with us on the mountain. Yeah. It's not that we climbed up the mountain ourselves, but it's like, you know, we, we journeyed with God up the mountain and, and well was, done. So, yeah, yeah, he was with you. Yeah, so it yeah. sounds like uh, Jesus is already with this part. I think like, so, yeah. Like Contrast some of the other yeah, ones. Yeah, he's already there, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't, yeah. yeah, I think this part's very much in touch with God. This is yeah. the pretty spirit-led part, yeah. yeah so yeah. Yeah, God's already there with it. And uh, so um, does it have anything it wants to give over to him? Yeah, I think we're going to kick off the, the gremlin on the on the, kick on off the, the left gremlin. Boot, yeah. which yeah. is, uh, yeah. yeah, maybe so, that uh, there's no need to, part of climbing a mountain is, it's tough work climbing a mountain, so there's, yeah. no, need, there's, there's no need to come to a top of a mountain uh, uh burden-free or, you know, without some yeah. some some uh, work that came to get there. So, yeah, so it's, I think kicking off the boot, the kicking left off, boot. Kick the, so why don't we just let that part just kick off its, the boot and just let that happen. And if it needs Jesus' help, he's right there so he can help with that process, okay. just whatever needs to happen. And can you let us know just what that looks like for you? Yeah, I'm going to throw that boot off the mountain. There's a big cliff on the other side. We're That's it. right. Just yeah. get rid of it. Yeah. Just throw off that boot. Yeah. And Jesus is, is there too helping. And, mm-hmm. and is there anything that Jesus wants to give in exchange for having gotten rid of that boot? Um, I think there's a, there's a verse I'm thinking of, or a phrase. Uh, rejoice with those who rejoice, uh, and I am with you always. I will not leave you or forsake you. Okay, and is that part taking in those words from him? Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. part can very easily take in those words. Right? Yeah, how does it feel? How, how is that for that part? Uh, feels like being a summit of a mountain. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> it feels pretty great. Yeah. And now what, lastly, what role would this part like to play now that it's at the top of the mountain, it's gotten rid of that, a gremlin? Um, I think uh, uh, one of... Um, uh, reminder of God's faithfulness maybe when General Maximus tries to take over, uh, that uh, God is the faithful one that got me here, not just my own efforts. Okay, I think. perfect. It yeah. wants to remind you of that message. Yeah. That's a yeah. great role for yeah. that part because it, it has a lot of wisdom. Yeah. It deserves a medal of honor. I sort of want to just uh, honor this part for how, how hard it's been working for you, give it mm-hmm. sort of a ceremony of appreciation, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. just really acknowledge uh, mm-hmm. 
the role that it's played for you and just and let it know that you're you're going to stay connected with it and listen to its advice in the future. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, thank you. Out. Yeah. Well, good. We know it's not easy to do this stuff, and uh, yeah, I've been working for years trying to figure out my own soul, and this was another tool in that. So what we've done is, uh, one, we want to give you some tools to help you. And so we actually took this exercise and turned it into a 17-minute script um, that you can actually download from our web website, KimberlyJuneMiller.com. You can click on Counseling, and you can actually get an MP3 of a 17-minute video you can watch that will walk you through this experience. That you're narrating. That I'm narrating, yeah. We helped write the script for it. Um, Javen helped produce it. Yeah, so, um, that was, uh, so that's a resource that might be helpful for you. We're going to do a little two-minute piece of that now. Uh, so walk you through quietly some time of reflection and a time of quiet to maybe just, it's going to be just putting your toe in the water. In fact, even the 17-minute one, I find myself having to pause and go, I need to think about that some more. Um, so let's just take a few moments. Let's thank Kimberly for being here today and sharing her story. Kimberly, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Grab a seat in the front. And uh, then, uh, again, just quiet yourself for a moment. Next couple of minutes, let's try and just listen to our own souls. Let's listen together. Take a moment to be still, to reflect, to slow down, to actually listen to your soul. Let's begin. Turn your attention to your breathing, lengthening your exhales, and focusing on what you're experiencing right now. Notice your thoughts, your emotions, your physical being. Is there any tightness or tension in your neck or shoulders? Any pain in your back? Maybe a knot in your stomach? What emotion or thought is causing this physical sensation? Now let's befriend this part of you. Be curious. Now ask yourself, how am I feeling toward this part of me? Now you might notice an inner critic who can't believe you would think these things or feel that way. Ask that part of you to step behind an imaginary glass wall for a moment, where it can watch. Now returning to the original part you identified, what would it like to say to you? What line does it want to repeat to you over and over again, like a song stuck in a loop? Is it an overwhelmed manager part of you, helping you to survive and take on the challenges of life? Is it an inner firefighter? who's worn out from dealing with a crisis. Perhaps it's a young internal exile that feels alone, reminding you of trauma from the past. Let's invite God into this space. Now, you may have doubts about God or Jesus or the Bible, but for now, give it a try. Be curious just for a moment. Ask the part of you if it would like to welcome Jesus, or God if you'd prefer, to come near. Now ask your anxiety to give over your burdens to God. The part may want to send its burdens into the outstretched arms of God. Now let's ask God to guide your emotions like a parent compassionately guides a child. God, my mind is working overtime and needs help. I need your guidance, your support. I invite your comfort, your wisdom, peace, love into this space. Guide me in your ways. Now, if you are feeling love or joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, or faithfulness toward this part of you, 
That's when you know you are living from your spirit-led self. There's a great verse in the Bible that says, Be still and know that I am God. And there are times that in a society we fill our life with activity and busyness and Netflixing, uh, Netflixing and everything else. We just don't have time to be still and actually know that he is God and find the peace and the joy that, that we actually long for. So I want to give you some tools to do that. Kimberly is going to be across from the fireplace um, out in our atrium. She has complimentary copies of her book. So if you'd like a copy of that, um, we do want enough for the next service. So if you're not going to read it or we want to share it with a couple, um, but feel free to grab one of those, say hi to her, ask any questions. Also, if you want uh, to get a hold of that sort of 17-minute experience to begin to probably practice this on your own, you can go to um, KimberlyJuneMiller.com, click on Counseling, and you can get a copy of the 17-minute experience of taking you through that. So... Um, and lastly, another tool, sometimes it's helpful to hear people tell their story. And so we have a special women's, uh, Horizon Women's Present. Beth Guggenberg is going to be with us on November 8th at 7.30. And she's going to share six lessons learned during the challenges of life and how through a hard story in her life, what are some good that came out of it? How do we find the good in the midst of the hard? So if you are a woman uh, and you want to join us for part of that, of course, if you're a man, we have authentic manhood uh, that happens on Sunday nights and Mondays. We invite you to be part of that as well. Thanks for being here. We invite you back for a brand new series next week called Well Connected. See you all then.